Uh, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Grit Fitness and Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sanchez. As always, today I am joined by O'Shane, and uh, today the topic is going to be all about squats. Um, and I think specifically, it's probably going to be geared towards uh, beginners, you know, people who are new to the gym. Um, and we're going to kind of break down the squat and tell you what are the things that you should be looking out for before you even touch a weight. Um, and then from there, how to warm up and how to implement the squat into your routine so that you can go about working out and, you know, strength training in the most efficient, most effective way possible. So O'Shane, how are you doing today? Uh, doing well. Yeah. How many protein bars have you eaten today? <laughs> uh met five so far today <laughs> which makes 36 over the last 24 hours or something ridiculous like that all right so we have about 20 minutes so we'll dive straight into this um so squats for the new gym goers and even for existing gym goers this is probably something good to um uh be aware of just so you can kind of work out in the most efficient pain-free um method possible so when it comes to squats and implementing squats um the first thing that you want to do is basically check your squat movement pattern and the easiest way to do that is with an overhead squat so if you're familiar with the fms or the functional movement screen this is kind of like the big one that they screen um a lot of people for so O'Shane, i'll let you describe what the overhead squat is kind of what you're looking for when you do it so basically just describe it to the people as if you know, they can't see it, like coach them through it. Uh, so, I mean, the function movement screen uh, was created uh, by Greg Cook. If whoever doesn't know, uh, you could look him up. Um, pretty much it is scored in uh, one through three. Um, three being the highest uh, perfect squat, uh, which is very hard to get, in my opinion. Uh, so two is acceptable. Is like if you can get a two, that's where you know you would start as a person and be like, all right, I'm going to work my way up to a three. Um, overhead, you just line yourself up where both feet are shoulder apart, toes straight. Uh, get a bar, uh, put it over your head, and the goal is to be able to have that bar stay over your head while you're able to squat uh, parallel. Yep. Uh, if you're not, then we'll go heels elevated and that will automatically make it a two if you can right if you can't do that then it's automatically a one and i would say if you cannot at least get a two i would probably not start with weighted squats i would probably start with more body weight and work my way from there right so basically um you know the three is the the perfect score that everyone would love to attain but it's very hard like o'shane already says so the two is you're doing it with some form of compensation so typically the things that you want to look out for when you're doing the overhead squat um in terms of how it should look so like if you're you know listening to this and you're like doing an overhead squat right now typically you want your torso and your shins to basically stay at the same angle so like if your chest is collapsing forward very aggressively or your knees are caving in or your heels are coming off the ground those are all indications that you've got some sort of movement kind of limitation that you need to address um, so if you're doing you know an overhead squat right now and any of those things are happening knees in uh, heels off the ground torsos collapsing forward um, you did not score a three you probably scored a two or a one and a one is basically just like it looks like a train wreck 
Um, and then if you have any pain during these movements, that's important as well. That would be you're basically scoring yourself a zero. So zero is pain. One, it looks awful. Two is you're doing it with some sort of compensation. Three is it looks amazing and you should be like a fitness model based on how you move. Um, and then kind of like O'Shane already said, you know, if you've if you're basically not scoring a two or a three, you probably have no business actually, you know, um, starting off with any form of weighted or loaded squat, because what you're doing then is you're basically just putting load on top of dysfunction, which is a fantastic way to basically get yourself hurt in the long run. Um, but when it comes to the squat movement pattern, um, I, I want to touch real quick on what are some of the limiting factors, just so you guys can kind of be aware of what goes into um, a good squat. So typically, if your squat, um, you know, movement pattern doesn't look the way that it should look um, in terms of like how us coaches want it to look when you're performing it. So there's a couple things that you need to be aware of. So you could have tight ankles, um, you could have tight hips, and you can have a tight thoracic spine. Those are basically the three big ones that we're looking for when it comes to your overall um, squat movement pattern. And if any of those are restricted in any way, shape, or form, we're not saying that that could be the problem, but we're saying it's probably playing into it. Because when it comes to an overall squat movement pattern, um, sometimes people just need to work on squatting itself and just perfecting the movement. But if you've got restrictions in your ankles or if you've got restrictions in your hip or your T-spine or anything, um, those are going to be all things that affect this probably in a negative fashion. Um, and since we're kind of pressed for time right now, we won't dive too deeply into like assessing each one of those. We'll just kind of focus on the squat pattern um, as a whole. Um, but so if you're listening along with this right now, the first thing that you guys should probably be aware of before you squat is go through that overhead squat assessment. See how it looks. Does it look perfect? Are your feet flat with your torso up and the knees are not caving in? If so, you're good. Can you complete it with maybe one or two compensations? That's probably a score of a two, meaning you're okay. Now, if it looks like a complete train wreck and you're not hitting good depth and all things are going wrong, then you should probably... Um, implement some of the strategies that we're about to talk about in two seconds. So, O'Shane, I'm going to throw it over to you now. Um, so when it comes to warming up for, you know, a, a quality squat movement pattern, what is your go-to routine for yourself and most clients? All right, so uh, for myself, most clients, uh, so one, I think foam rolling does help. Mm -hmm. um, Two, I think it's like you have to think about like, all right, what muscles am I going to be, like what muscle am I going to be actually using during a squat? So like if you think about it, like your hips are going to be internally, externally rotating. So it's like I want to do movements that's going to technically like activate those muscles. Mm -hmm. uh, you think about core stability is going to play a part. Uh, your ankles are going to play a part. So um, those are the, I mean, your thoracic is going to play a part. So right. everything is going to technically play a part. So it's like I want to go through that joint by joint. So I'll start at the angles, all right? Get the ankle moving in the proper range of motion. Then I'll do, like, an example, like some ankle mobility. I'll go to the hips next. What you could be doing, uh, you want to do something where it's a 90-90 because that where you're getting both internal and external rotation. Mm -hmm. Um you could do burn dogs like for core because one it, it is like why i like the burn dog itself one it is challenging your core but two 
uh, when your knees are coming in, you're teaching your knee like because you, when you squat, you're teaching your knees how to how to extend at the same time, right? Like, and so like you're trying to get that motor control. I think that's another key portion of like learn how to squat. Mm-hmm. Also, it was like all right, getting your shoulders and thoracic fired up. So I think like going through all that pattern is the warm up pattern I would right. go through. Right. And for everyone listening at home, like if you're not familiar with anything that O'Shane is actually saying right now, um, what we're going to do is we're actually going to record everything that he's talking about and we're going to link it in the show notes so you guys can actually click on that and actually watch him go through all of these things, the foam rolling, you know, the, 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 the warmups for the hips and T-spine and the bird dogs and all that good stuff. So if you're confused a little bit, don't worry, just go back to whatever platform you're listening this on and there should be a link in the show notes, click that. And then this should make a, a lot more sense. Um, okay, so let's um, assume you've gone through this warm up with yourself or a client. You got them all foam rolled, their hips are nice and loose and whatnot. Um, what is typically your first progression when it comes to squatting someone? So, if it's a brand new person, I always say uh, if they can get a two, it doesn't matter. Goblet squat is the way to go. Right. Uh, I think, you know. Every client will benefit at least spending six to 12 weeks uh, doing some form of kettlebell work. Mm-hmm. So what do you know, you go from a goblet to a two rack, I think at least spending three, uh, two to three months in that pattern will help. Because like when you go to barbell, you'll notice like, oh, this does make a big difference. Right. So I, I mean, I agree with you um, 100% and I, I know the answer of the question that I'm about to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway for everyone listening. So what is it about the goblet squat that makes it such a fantastic movement for beginners specifically? I think because one, uh, just the position of where the, uh, the weight is, right. It challenges the core. It challenges. So it's like an over overall whole body workout mm-hmm. and one, it's a lot safer. Yes. Yeah, like I've noticed when I have my beginner clients do a goblet squat, like the thing that I'll tell them is it's really hard to mess up because the kettlebell is going to fix your basically squat pattern in a way where you can't mess it up. Because if you mess it up, you're going to drop the kettlebell. So like O'Shane said, what the you know the kettlebell does when you're holding it in front of you in that goblet position is it forces you to keep an upright torso. It forces your core to brace and stay tight. Um, and it allows you to basically sit down into that bucket, so to speak. Um, and you know, you might have some minor compensations where your heels come off the ground or your knees cave in or something like that. But I would say like nine times out of 10, you give someone a kettlebell and you hold it to the chest and you say, squat down, squat back up. Things are going to look pretty decent. Um, even if they've got some sort of like mobility restriction or if they've never done a squat before, but let's just say, um, you know, and I've, I'm sure we've both had this happen with clients before. You give them a kettlebell, they do a goblet squat, and it still looks pretty crappy. What are you doing then? Uh, I probably regress them to do like a TRX or like a plate extended squat at mm-hmm. that point. Uh, so pretty much that just kind of mimics a bodyweight squat, but give them a kind of weight, which will kind of clean that up. Uh, but also I will say is when you were talking earlier about like uh, tightness in the body, one of the things that... Uh, will make your squat not look the way it's supposed to look is not necessarily also tightness. It could be stability and motor control issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And so, like, that's something, you know, I plays a part of maybe that's why I need to regress a little bit because maybe I do have the flexibility, but I just don't have the control of how to control my body to perform this movement the way it should be. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's that's one thing that I think a lot of people, beginners specifically, or people who are kind of new to exercises, they don't realize that if they've got tightness in their body, they're perceiving that tightness as basically a lack of flexibility and a lack of mobility. And, oh, I just need to stretch. I just need to stretch. Like, let me stretch a little bit more. But honestly, a lot of times when you're tight somewhere in the body, it's because you're weak and your body's basically protecting itself so that it doesn't go into these ranges of motion that it can't control. So if you take the time to strengthen your core or strengthen your hips or whatever it may be, then you're essentially removing the parking brake from these muscles and they start to open up and you start to move a little bit better. So, you know, when O'Shane's saying something like, oh, it's a lot of motor control, um, it's a lot of stability, like, that's, that's something that not a lot of people are aware of um, when they're trying to fix these these movement patterns. So it's not just, you know, you know if you, if you can't drop down into like a squat lower than 90 degrees or something like that and you just assume it's because oh, I'm just I'm just so tight, I'm just so tight. It could be just because you're so weak, you're so weak. You know what I mean? So both of these things need to be taken into account. Um, all right, so um, what are some of the other fixes or um, I guess tricks that you'll use or cues to help fix a squat um, movement pattern? You know, if, if they've done, if you're doing a, a, a goblet squat or something like that and it looks okay, but what are some of the things that people can do out there to basically make that squat look better? So, all right, so like, let's like give you few examples so like one you hear a lot of people come in and say all right i have knee issues like mm -hmm. squatting but they didn't have like trauma to their knees right one of the biggest things it could be like is one their actual kneecap is not actually following their toe pattern right uh so two one they could just grab a simple mini band put it either above or below the knees somewhere that's going to give them some feedback uh and they'll notice like that will help to clean up that issue right and like nine so, times out of ten. And then you're just cueing them to basically push out against that mini band as they're yep. squatting down. So right. that's a easy cue to clean it up. If you're going more for depth and you can't get depth, you could put put a little plate under your heels, elevate it. That could help. I mean, in the sh that I feel like that is sh the short term, mm -hmm. but also like long term, I'd say like work out barefoot. Right. Because uh, that's the good reason of why I would say start off a goblet squat. Start goblet squat. Go barefoot, and you will notice, because the more time you squat and spend time in that pattern, the better you get at it. So for everyone listening out there, why would going barefoot be so beneficial for a lot of people? Uh, that's the way we were born, and you will notice like all the muscles in your feet start firing up, and all the magic starts happening all the way up. Right. Yeah. So it kind of goes back to that whole thing of sometimes you're not tight and you're weak. And the reason why like barefoot training has become so popular in the last whatever year, two years or something like that is because your feet have so many moving parts, so many bones, so many muscles, so many ligaments in there that when you wear restrictive shoes that don't allow your toes to move the way they should or these ligaments and bones to kind of glide the way they should within your foot like there's a lot of moving parts in there so if you restrict the movement in that foot it's basically gonna fuck up everything else above the chain so when you learn to be or sorry when you um, kind of become more familiar and accustomed to working out barefoot and moving ankle mobility 
should improve. I'm not going to say it's going to magically clear it, um, but it should improve over you know the course of the long run. And just strengthening those feet, walking around barefoot, not even necessarily in the gym, but just when you get home, take off your shoes and you know get some toe spacers and just spend more time barefoot. And it definitely will um, be beneficial in the long run. Um, all right, so let's say you know you've got a client and they've been working out for whatever a month now and they've gotten pretty decent at the kettlebell um or sorry at the goblet squat with a kettlebell um how are you progressing things past that point now that they're not like a very very beginner um they could either go like a heavier kettlebell for goblet or two you could progress them to like a two two Mm -hmm. a double rack right so now at what point do you typically feel comfortable introducing a barbell for squats? Because I know... I think if uh, one, they have to be able to get, I'd say a three on the squat, mm-hmm. uh, on a double rack. I think if they can get that, like three sets, then I'd be like, all right, then a good threshold for gob- for the barbell. So basically, you're just looking for perfection on a double kettlebell front squat basically and it should look fine no problem um now when you progress to a barbell are you going front squat are you going back squat are you going some variation other than that i think that depends on the client so like some clients i will go front squat some clients i will go back i I think it just depends on the client Mm -hmm. and your goals gotcha um, is there anything, cause I know you, you come from basically a, a Mike Boyle school of thought. And if you guys aren't familiar with Mike Boyle, he basically will not back squat anyone. He hates them. He thinks they're super dangerous. Um, how do you feel about them? I get his point of view of why, mm-hmm. uh, but then just in my experience, uh, look through a lot of other research, I wouldn't say back squat in itself is bad i think it's if you don't have the capacity to back squat then that's a problem right which and quite honestly not a lot of people do because i think basically how the internet has exploded a lot of people who think oh, i should i should start working out they just automatically assume oh it's squat day barbell back squat but i, I think right. a lot so, of people yeah so, so like another example like say if i put a client brand new client under back squat uh like, a lot of them would be like, okay, why are we only using 10 pounds? Like, we might use 10 pounds for two or three months. Mm-hmm. And even though I know you could, could go heavier, that's the, I tell them, like, the goal is not for the first few months of learning how to barbell back squat about the weight. It's more about I get better at this pattern. Right. Because, like, there's no point in keep trying to go up in weight. It's just, all right, I get better at this, at, at this movement. Then my back squat becomes better. Then when I put weights on, I'm actually going to be able to perform this movement quite effectively right yeah it's like um yeah too many people are in a rush to basically train their egos and they want to see how much weight they can move which is admirable obviously we want people to get stronger and we want people to squat as much weight as possible um but at the same time like if you can't you know exhibit mastery of these movements you're only gonna you're setting yourself up for disaster so you're 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 basically putting um, what does Greg Cook says? You're putting um, dysfunction on top of form or something like that. But he, you know, he's basically like, if you can't, everything that we've talked about so far, if you can't bang out like a three in terms of scoring on the overhead squat, 
um, you shouldn't be in a rush to add a lot of external load to that because you're only going to hurt yourself in the long run. Um, but Oshane, I know you got your clients starting to roll in right now. Um, any closing thoughts about anything that we didn't talk about or anything that you'd like to talk about more in terms of squats? Uh, in terms of squat, uh, like one of my advice, for, especially for my clients on a daily basis, is spend more time, even on your days off or like you're just you're at home. If you can spend one two minutes in a squat pattern every day, mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference. So you mean just like sitting down in a squat pattern, or Body just weight, squatting? Just like a sitting both. down, just sitting down in a squat pattern, yeah. learning how to find those little uh, nuanced spots that that's going to hinder you like you will notice a big difference over the course of two or three months you right. will so like that's one of the things i tell them like hey you're home or you're let's take a two minute break sit in the squat like rock around see how that feels right and you notice like in places too um kind of like the you know the um i guess i'll call them like the the asian countries or middle eastern countries like when they get tired like they squat and they that's just how they yeah. rest like they're sitting in a squat yeah, and you'll notice like right. if you ever seen pictures of them they're all flawless. I mean, like there they are go. ass to grass. Their torso's vertical. It's matching the shin angle. Their feet are flat. Like it looks fantastic. So, like I actually 100% agree with you in terms of spending more time in a deep squat. And maybe you don't like go as deep as you can right away, but you listen to your body. You go as deep as you can, and you basically just spend time in there and you explore what your available range of motion is, and you build from there. So I 100% um, agree with you. Um, but just to recap, so Shane's clients don't keep waiting. Um, so if you're new to the gym, do a little bit of an assessment on yourself. And if you're not sure how to actually score it or assess it, reach out to us on social media, um, at grit fitness and performance, um, and see how your overhead squat look. Can you perform that squat with, you know, an upright torso with feet flat, um, with your shin angle matching your torso angle. And then, you know, if it looks good, then from there you progress to goblet squats, double kettlebell goblet squats or front squats, whatever you want to call it. But I think the main takeaway from today is don't be in a rush to jump straight to the barbell because that's basically it's calculus and you haven't learned pre-algebra yet. So you've got to take your time and you have to earn the right to use the barbell. And if anyone on the internet tells you otherwise, um, would you like to strongly disagree with those people? Um, but again, we're going to have a video basically detailing everything that we talked about today. So we'll do the overhead assessment so you guys can see what it looks like. And then we'll go through the foam rolling and then all of the kind of mobility and kind of stability drills that O'Shane was talking about in his warm up. Um, and then you guys can feel free to use it for your next squat workout. Um, and then, you know, hopefully things start to feel better. You start to move better and you start to train more effectively. You know, we're training smarter not harder. Uh, O'Shane, anything to add? Keep squatting. There you go. Beautiful. All right, guys, we will um, get those videos up for you, and then we will see you on the next episode. See ya.